Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. What's going on, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner of Bonnerfied Radio, and this is On Course with Heart Ramsey, and we call these sessions Heart to Heart. It's your opportunity to hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God. Of course, that is Pastor Heart Ramsey. Pastor Heart, how are you, sir? I'm good, Gerard. How you doing, man? I am doing well. So on Martin Luther King Day... We got our first look into election 2020 as the first candidate stepped up to declare her candidacy. And I think it's pretty cool. Uh, Senator Kamala Harris out of California has declared uh, herself a presidential nominee. She's jumping in to uh, the race. She announced it on uh, Good Morning America. And uh, she spent some time at Howard University, which was her alma mater. And as you can imagine, being an African-American female already, you know, the pundits are out and there are folks having their say, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if it was too early to start the conversation about it, but we're here already. So (laughs) thoughts as we look at this next round of presidential candidates, uh, any feelings towards this announcement from Kamala Harris? You, you know, Gerard, she's a great senator. Yes. Uh, and so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I said the same thing about Barack Obama. I thought he was a good senator. Uh-huh. Uh, th- my, I have some concerns. Okay. Uh, my concern is is that no doubt in the weeks um, to come, weeks and months to come, there will be other uh, candidates jumping in. And I, I, my, my fear, and I don't, know if it, I don't know yet if it's legitimate, but my fear is that some of our best senators or best leaders are going to jump into this race, Mm -hmm. cancel each other out, Mm. and leave the door wide open for the unthinkable. Wow. That's the first thing that came to my mind. I was excited because I know she's no joke. Yeah. Um, she, uh, I don't know what her background was, but I've watched her in these Senate hearings. Mm-hmm. I've watched her handle herself. She's very well-spoken. She's well-read. She's a deep thinker. She's a compassionate person. Yeah. Um, uh, I look at her. You know, people look at it as, of course, a black woman. I, right. I see it differently. Yeah. Uh, I see her as being a great candidate. My only concern is... When the competition comes out and they, they, and the, these the brightest and the best uh, start to to do battle, if the Democratic Party does not field the proper candidate or the proper team, they uh, they run a good chance, uh, a good they run a good risk of losing badly mm. in 2020. Wow, which is a scary thought because one would. Th- think that it should be a slam dunk for them but we've been proven wrong before uh relative to that uh here here's a question um because i actually thought this uh back in 2012 when president obama ran for a second term personally i was thinking okay one term is enough 
just because of the incredible scrutiny that he yeah. went through as an African-American male, uh, knowing that they were really trying very hard. You know, uh, at one point I thought the speaker said, we're going to do our best not to pass anything that he does. Um, what do you think um, Senator Harris has to look forward to? Um, because I don't know. I don't have the guts to do it to run for president, understanding all that they will try to seek out. Uh, what do you think she uh, has to look forward to? And do you think she's ready for all this? Because it's a big step. I think she is. What I see about her, first of all, um, um, white America has never really uh, given the black woman her due. True. Although historically... She's carried the black family because of, matter of fact, it was safe for the black man to not resist. I'm talking about historically mm -hmm. coming through slavery. It was it, historically when the black man resists, it was a reason to kill the fathers of these families. And so the black woman learned to d adapt and adjust. And she became very, very handy with, with, um, uh, with family policy and, and, and with uh, how to handle uh, single income uh, dwelling, she became, um, she became the staple. I mean, this big mama's house. I mean, the, right. you know, we respect our grandmothers and sisters and what have you. I think what's going to happen with Kamala Harris is that is that at first they're going to be really, really afraid to come at her with both guns blazing. Okay. But 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 I've seen them do this before. So what they're going to do is they're going to find some little thing to 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 kind of. Uh, clamp onto mm -hmm. and they, they will make it their rallying point and she's going to have something they're going to find something on her mm -hmm. um whether it's real or imagined or contrived they're going to find something and they're going to make it a thorn in her side what she's going to have to do is is be willing uh to weather the storm hopefully gerard she gave this a lot of thought before throwing her hat in the ring right Right. Because as we saw with uh, Stacey Abrams in Georgia, you know, running for office, for public office in this environment, uh, in a Trump fueled environment. I mean, I think it was always difficult, but I think now it has created the opportunity for, you know, a lot of different language that would not have been used, a lot of different yeah. approaches that would not have been used. Uh, and I think it creates uh, a very challenging space for a person who's not ready not saying that she's not but right, right. It, it just creates a very challenging space so we saw in the midterms we saw a lot of bright faces come out of varying states uh, i think of um beto who ran for i think the governor's seat or the senator's seat rather in texas and then yeah. i think of uh andrew gillum in florida uh, who ran a, a tight race for the governorship there. Um, do you have any people who you think, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. do you have any people that you are thinking in your head would make a whole lot of sense if they were somehow involved in this conversation as we start looking for uh, at the presidency for 2020? Well, I think you mentioned the main guy I took a look at was Beto. And what okay. I like about him is is that he he has the persona yeah. To diffuse the um the racist, um he has a persona to um to kind of address the 
the he knows the problem. He lived among the problem. He would mm-hmm. I think he was raised in the heart of the problem. Yeah. And so he could speak to it in a way that I don't think many others can. Okay. I, I think that um and also he is he's in touch. He's he has studied the problem it uh okay. in terms of from the other angle. So he knows how to speak on behalf of the dis- disenfranchised and the poor and the ones that, the ones that are being discriminated against in, in any way. He knows how to uh, speak for the immigrant and for the black person and for the, the Native Americans. And so that roundedness, to me, makes him a major player. I, what I would have loved to see was for the was for the Democratic Party to kind of pull in, uh, have a little huddle, mm-hmm. and come out with Beto as the main guy and maybe Camilla as his wing. Wow. That'd be quite the team. Right, because they're both brilliant. Yeah. And and to me, they're both compassionate, well-spoken, well well-thought-out. And um and they speak the same language right. in a lot of ways. Right, right. You know, I, I was talking to some friends, and you know, we were all kind of thinking about what a winning ticket is going to need um, in the White House. And one of my thoughts is, and and this is something that's interesting. Do you think that one way or the other we will have? either a female or a minority as president for 2020 or do they have to be on the ticket the winning ticket for it to work at some point i don't you know what i don't think i don't think so as a matter of fact i think that the democratic party is will make a great mistake if they try to force a certain demographic thinking it will, it will, it will equal votes okay um i really believe that they, what they what they have over the republicans right now is truth mm. they have to tell the truth yeah they just have to say what they stand for, whether whether people like it or not. A lot of the stuff that the Democratic Party stands for, I don't like. Okay. But but I'm gonna tell you what I don't like. I don't like to be lied to. Right. I don't like to be gaslit. Right. I I, I don't like people who take the Bible, and, and misuse it for personal gain to justify the the horrors that we see going on today. It it offends me, and, and I know it offends the Lord. Mm-hmm. I prefer for a person to, to sit to to have in mind that they want to represent all the people, whether we consider them to be morally upright or not. Mm-hmm. I, 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 the things I have against the Democratic Party is I don't believe you should you should force um, on what some consider to be immorality down their throats. I don't mm-hmm. think you should make people have to uh, um, um, take. Or, or to be a part of something that they think is unnatural or mm-hmm. abnormal, mm-hmm. or I, I just think that we're doing it wrong. Mm. Um, I would love to see some candidates fielded who are more uh, um, moderate, who are middle of the of the road, okay. not extreme left or extreme right in this in this uh, coming upcoming election. I think what we're missing right now is the middle. Mm. Wow. We are, you know, when I'm an engineer, you know, I, I passed it, but I'm, I'm a recording engineer as well. Yes. And, and a lot of times, one of the biggest problems you have in a mix, there are two major problems you could have in a, a mix in a record. One is, is if your middle is too congested. Right. Uh, and then, the, it, because when the middle is too congested, everything sounds loud. But right. when the when the middle is absent, it's 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 caused by something. It's a phase cancellation. Okay. Um, you you want what's in the middle to to be well placed and well voiced. Matter of fact, there's certain things we put the kick drum in the middle, we put the bass in the middle, and we put the voice in the middle. Right. Wow. We, uh, and, and every record, we need the main things that make the song the song in the middle. And right now, the problem in our political landscape is that there's nothing in the middle. Wow. Everything is on the extreme left, or extreme right. And 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 when you have your two wings fighting against each other, the, uh, our flight is impossible. 
Right. Because because every bird has a left wing and a right wing, and they need them both to fly. America's not doing this right. The birds, you'll never find a bird's head on the left or the right. They're always in the middle. Right. You know? Right. The, 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 um, even if they have a left leg and a right leg to land, um, they have to be some, somewhat in the middle to balance the bird. We have no balance. We have no... We, the, our wisdom is coming from opinions. And what has to happen as, as these parties, even as the candidates throw their hat in the ring, um, on the Democratic side, I think what needs to happen is they don't just need to uh, put a bunch of candidates and then have them fight. They need to come into a huddle and put their brightest and the best. And right now, from what I've seen, it's, that's, it's Beto and Kamala. Okay. And I want to say something else, too. The Republicans need to field candidates to, to uh, challenge Trump. They do. Because there's no rule that says the sitting president has to be the nominee of the party. That's true. That's true. That, and, so, and that would be a, a necessary move, I think, for them if they want to have control of the White House again. Because I think the allure to Trump before was that he was not of the you know whole government uh, establishment you know so right. he was from the outside of that circle so people were playing a guessing game with what he could do now they've seen what he can do so i think it's going to be harder for him to get reelected now that he can't sell people a bill of goods but they can look back and see okay we have the longest government shutdown in history he you know what and and you see some of the policies that he did and then you see some of the off things that he did like he brought a, a collegiate championship team and serve them burgers and fries. <laughs> like, what? You know? I mean, it, it, yeah. And his supporters, is his supporters defending it, defended yeah. it. You know, it's first of all, if you let fries sit out for any length of time, everybody knows that they become chokers. They exactly. Were, <laughs> hey, it's funny. I mean, I just, I, you know, I stopped commenting on it. It's just, it's, yeah. on social media, I stopped commenting on on my Twitter feed. But it's just, it's to the point where it's like, what's the use? Right. Right. Because 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 at the end of the day. Um, he is obviously bent for the destruction of these United States. Mm -hmm. He was elected. I believe he, he is. He is a judgment of God against us. Wow. <laughs> I, I really believe that. Wow. I, I believe that 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 um, God gave America what she wanted. Wow. He he, he took her backroom conversations, mm. her, the real feeling of the true feelings of her heart, and he put it in the Oval Office. Mm. And I'll be honest with you, and, and, and the people who are defending it and saying this is the way it's supposed to be, it shows you how dark and, and blinded they are yeah. to think that that is normal. Right. And I'll, be, I'll say this. I, I said it to on a podcast before. I spent 11 years in the United States military. Mm -hmm. I was a soldier for 11 years. I, I worked for my first four years in support of a, a, a U.S. intelligent outfit in Germany. And I'm here okay. to tell you this. If you cannot tell that he's compromised, you don't understand how compromise works. Wow. He is compromised. Yeah. I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but and I don't know it's it's way beyond collusion. Right. This is this is this is this has to do with something. This and I'm going to tell you who else is too. This Lindsey Graham character from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. He he the way he just flipped like that, that right. is that is that is, I'm going to tell you what, that is what you call textbook compromised. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Textbook. And, and, uh, and we are in this, in this election that's coming up, I, I really believe that 
that uh, Mueller and his team, whatever they have, because they have more than we know. Right. It's it's about time to start rolling it out to give hope to the people because because they know a lot. Yeah. Especially having Cohen and having Manafort and having these different, they they know some stuff. They do. And it's time to bring it out. I'm not against the quote unquote, and this is gonna blow people's mind. I'm not against the Republican Party. Okay. I'm not against. The, I'm not for the Democratic Party. I'm mm-hmm. not against the Democrats or for the Republicans. I am a moderate. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a, I am I be, I believe that I, people say Are you pro life or pro choice. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I be, no no that, that's my answer. I believe that God, I, I am pro life and I believe God is pro life, but I believe God, God is pro choice because the Bible says so. Right. If God was not pro choice, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, right. that's <laughs> we, true. We, you know, we live in by, you know, we, if, if I make a decision, I'm going to hell. God can't take me to heaven. Right. Wow. And vice versa. So, so I think that that uh, what we have to do as it relates to going back to the the candidates and and um and how we how they run is I believe in this upcoming election there are, there's a contingency of people they don't care who the Democrats run they're voting Democrat because they've seen what the Republican Party has done and what they stand for and they don't like it they want none of it. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. You know, so, so and there's a lot to unpack with that. One of the ideas that you said is you do believe that this presidency is uh, a result of really of the people getting what they want basically from God and 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 kind of seeing the back door of this country on front street. So my question is this, because, you know, that those of us in the church um, and particularly in the African-American community, we uh, don't really get in tune to elections until the presidential election and until you know two three months before if we're completely honest like we don't do the whole i mean like the primaries will come and we go eh, but we get into the national one but i kind of feel like you know this entire term 
we should have been and should be paying very close attention to all the things that are happening. So here it is. We're 2019. The election is, you know, a year and a half away. What should the church be doing now in preparation for this election? That's a good question. Um, you know, um, traditionally, myself personally, I've not spoken about politics in church. Mm. Um, be, but 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 I say this: um, the church should be preparing people's uh, mentality, mm-hmm. because what the church, to me, how the church is, uh, became complicit with the Trump election is that they gave people at large, they gave people the idea that voting for a particular party is voting for God or voting for the Bible. Or, and, and, uh, and Donald Trump was, was obviously speaking against the word of God. He, right. I mean, he said so many things that, the, that our Christians, white Christians in particular, were asked to overlook. Mm. And not just white Christians, white, black Christians who are among the white Christians in those settings felt right. like they had to vote a certain way. I mean, I had conversations with, with people of color who were just talking crazy. I'm like, what are you talking about? Wow. If this guy said he talking about, well, he's a Christian, you know, he's just a baby Christian. I said, but baby Christian, have you ever heard say they never repented? Right. They've never asked anyone. They've never asked for forgiveness because they never needed it. That's, does that sound like a like a, a stable person to you? No. Come here, let me lay my hands on you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it, it aggravates you. Yeah. In so fact, I think. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think the church. I'm sorry for cutting you off. I think the church should should really speak to instead of speaking to politics, speaking to right and wrong. That's good. Wow. If, if it, it's, we need to we need to reintroduce to them that there is good and evil. Yeah. And what the Bible says about our neighbors, mm-hmm. and what the Bible says about, about about the poor among us, and what the what the Bible says about justice. Right. You got it. Right. And, and then we, and then on the other hand, we have to talk about morality as well, mm-hmm. because the Democratic Party seems to have a problem with morality, mm-hmm. and and that's and I, I'm frustrated because um, they're having this new thing where they're saying to us that if a person says um, uh, if God made a person a certain way, the person said, "Well, I don't feel that way," then we have to go along with it, or else we somehow bigoted. Mm-hmm. To me, we can just if the Republican Party is telling lies and we call it out, if the Democrats are telling lies, let's call that out too. Yeah, that's where I am with it. I'm I'm, I'm tired of all of them. Yeah, you know, and, and, it, and it raises the point, and we've talked about this on a previous podcast as well, this a whole idea that as believers in this culture, it seems as though we are forced to either be all left or all right. Like right. we're not given the opportunity to be able to say, no, I don't agree with this and I don't agree with that either. Right. Um, and then figuring out what should be our moral compass. And, and it would seem like it would be obvious for us as believers, but it's not. And, and part of the reason that it's not is because there, <laughs> there is this cute little term that I think really uh, ends up governing a lot of what people think, and it's cultural Christianity. You right. know, this idea that we see Jesus and we see even right and wrong through the lens of our culture and our experience, which is why our Caucasian brothers and sisters, you know, historically saw no real issue with slavery because they were able to justify it through scripture. And while on the other hand said slaves, you know, looked at Jesus from the position of a deliverer looking for him to deliver them out of the slavery that those Caucasian Christians said was okay. Right. So 
the real question now becomes what is the church church's responsibility and and this is an interesting question in terms of helping in 2019 to shape and guide the morality of society and its believers given the fact that in 2019 there's probably more pressure on churches and christians to co-sign things that they would have never co-signed 30 40 50 60 years ago yeah i, I think i think what we have to do is is the church has to has to be adamant and, and it's, it's going to take courage mm-hmm. it's going to take courage for and i'm and i mean that it's going to take courage for people for the for churches to say that is right that is wrong it's mm-hmm. going to take courage to say that's not what the lord uh, meant when he said this right. um it's going to take courage to say that is sin mm-hmm. and but 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 here's a question i have for especially for believers and for for preachers in general is that if, if we can't do that it's a hard thing but if we can't do it then why are we called wow that's really good i mean you know if it's if, if i can't speak to those issues then why am i standing up if i if i'm afraid of the people i'm called to what good am i mm. you know you you ain't never seen um, salt um refuse to come out the shaker because it's afraid of the food <laughs> right no salt has one flavor yeah salt is like listen if you don't want salt don't pour me on it because i because i'm going to be who i am exactly and i think that the church the bible says we speak the truth in love yeah i, I just posted something the other day truth tells me where i am mm-hmm. and grace tells me who i am yes and what and what that means is what i meant by that is is that a lot of times we we try to play around with truth uh, because we don't want to offend people. You don't have to speak truth harshly. You right. speak truth as matter-of-factly. We told right. this is where this is what where God says you are. Mm-hmm. You, if you do this, you are a sinner. If I do it, I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. When, when, I, when I was in that lifestyle, I was a sinner. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to say this is just the truth of it. Now, grace says um, what you're doing is in who you are. If right. you receive Jesus Christ, your, your sin is already paid for. You, right. And so, and the gospel makes sense when the church is honest. Mm. The gospel wow. makes no sense when the church tries to be culturally uh, uh, um, uh, acceptable, or or we have to we want to speak politically correctly. And you know, and it's, it's funny how one side always accuses the other side of being co- politically correct, but sure. them same people will be in a conversation where other people are being called the N word right. and by other uh, inappropriate names, and they won't say anything because they want to be politically correct. Right. Right. So it's on both sides. Right. And 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 if you until you're able to say that both sides are wrong and both sides could be right, then you're not you're not willing for I mean you're not ready rather for this conversation. Wow. Wow. And, and so I, I want to throw this out there too. This this we're getting in some good water here. Uh <laughs> because because here's the thought, right? The challenge you think of a, a lot of churches that are obviously wanting to grow and wanting to reach the loss at any cost and all the other cool sayings that that churches can have um how does one manage to then make this appeal in terms of sharing morality sharing the bible sharing the truth of all of this in a way that remains sensitive to the 2019 culture that remains true to the bible and still appeals to the souls and hearts of men. Because you know, the Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. And I think mm-hmm. this is something that requires great wisdom. Because we've seen historically, standing on the street corner with 
the signs that say turn or burn doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember living in Virginia Beach and on the strip in the summertime, they were going completely off bullhorns and signs. And everybody just looked at them like, okay, you know. Yeah. Um, but we, and knowing that the people that are coming into our doors are people who are dealing with all of 2019's issues, whatever they may be. Um, what advice do you have in terms of being able to share the gospel in a way that is true, authentic, and bathed in love and wisdom? I think most of the people who presume to evangelize have never even studied Jesus. Wow. They don't even understand what he did. Wow. They, they don't understand why the Pharisees were against him. They don't. They don't understand who he was, who, who what God intended, and and so if you miss the intent, you, you you're gonna mess up everything. I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I went to Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> I was doing a tour of Hollywood, and we, and we I was waiting on the tour bus to pull up, and across the street from where I was standing was a big group of um, church people with a sign that says God hates L.A. Oh wow! Oh Lord. And it offended me. Yeah. God does not hate Los Angeles. Right. Matter of fact, they, they see those people need to go read the book of Jonah. Right, right. When Jonah when jo Jonah hated Nineveh and God loved them. And, and God says to Jonah in the last chapter of the book, God says that you, a plant grew up overnight and it died. And you have more compassion for the plant than you do for these people in this city. He called it, these people are the greatest sinners in that time. And God, God called them a great city. Wow. He said, should I not have compassion for this great city of, of, of thousands of souls? Yeah. And I think the people, these people out there do not represent the Lord. They represent their biases. They represent their own hatred. They represent their own immaturity in the faith. Mm -hmm. They don't even understand what this is about, and they make our work hard. Yeah. Um, I think every church um, should, if they're going to have a soul action winning team of every kind, any kind that where they're sending people out to share Christ, they need to teach them. Number one, they need to begin with the basics. You know, the fruit of the spirit could be called the strength of the spirit. The strength of the spirit is love. The strength of the spirit is, is joy. It's peace. It's long suffering. You know, the, the strength of the spirit is gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, mm -hmm. um, uh, meekness and tempers, the strength of the spirit. That's, this is what the strength when the when the Holy Spirit is operating these things in us, it makes us strong. When we can love in the face of hate, we're strong. When we can have joy in in, in the face of grief or, or trial, we're strong. Yeah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When I can have peace, when the world is is all crazy around me, is strength. Right. And I think we we misunder we think that being mean to people makes us strong Christians. No, what makes you strong is when you let the Holy Spirit work through you. And so yeah. I think we need to have a class. Wow. To teach people how to reach the lost instead of grieving people with our foolishness, acting as if we're better than them. The only difference between us and them is that we're forgiven. That's good. That's good. That's good. And and I think you're 100% right. Um, there needs to be a class. There needs to be instruction um, in, in, a, in a, an emotionless environment, you mm -hmm. know, an environment that's not you know design because a, a lot of church at times can be so designed with creating or looking for an emotional response that we forget that the people need to learn yes. you know and and the people have come for answers and instruction and you know 
it's I, I, I liken this to even, you know, marriage. It's another thing that's not really taught a whole lot in the terms of, you know, you have to teach people. It's like if you get married with no premarital counseling or no additional instructions, it's like handing the keys to a brand new car to a 16 year old and saying, you're 16, go drive. Right. Well, they don't know what they're doing. And the same thing happens when it comes to evangelism. There is a way to do it effectively. And I think a lot of people just feel like the spirit falls on you and boom, you go do it. Well, the spirit kind of falls in instruction, too. (laughs) (laughs) What about that? (laughs) You know, I mean, like there's there's wisdom to that. And a lot of people and I've seen it happen where, you know, people have mishandled new converts or mishandled people who are interested in becoming Christians and they end up walking away from the faith altogether um, because they were mishandled. And I think that's. That's problematic uh, for sure. There definitely needs to be a class. There needs to be instruction. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious about this. Hmm. Are all people who uh, are licensed to preach, etc., actually equipped to evangelize? No. Mm. No. As a matter of fact, you know, one of the one of the. Uh, the ministry gifts. The Bible calls evangelism a ministry gift. Yes, it's a gift. I mean, yeah. the the ability to. Uh, I, I like to use this formula. Um, uh, it's it's a good formula to remember. Uh, apostles govern, prophets okay. guide, evangelists gather. Oh, that's good. That's the evangelists gather. They they're the ones that gather people for to bring to a pastor. To guard mm. and that teaches ground in the oh, things man. of God. That's so, good. and the, all, all the letters, I mean, all of the, the, the assignments begin with G, and it's good to remember, easy to remember. But the evangelist, his job is to gather. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible tells pastors, Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. He didn't say be one, he said do the work of the evangelist. That means right. I have to know what the evangelist does. Right. Right, and I think the big issue with the church right now is that we we will send our new members out there or the people we don't want preaching in the church. We say, "Well, go out there and preach," and they're not even equipped. Right, we just don't want them preaching to us. But here's the crazy: we don't want them preaching to us because they're not equipped. So we're gonna send them out there. <laughs> right, <laughs> it doesn't make <laughs> any sense. It does not make a bit of sense. And 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 so just so they won't grieve us, we send them out there to grieve everybody else. Right. Wow. No, I think I think they need to be taught, and and we need to bring people in, um, um, through under the auspices of a caring, loving ministry mm-hmm. that represents the house. Because sometimes you 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 fall in love with the evangelist, and then you bring it back to the house, and it's nothing like the evangelism that they minister. True, true, very. So true. the evangel the evangelistic outreach has to have the flavor of your particular family of believers. Right, right. Oh, that's so good that we probably need to do a whole separate session on that, because I think that is a it's a necessary thing for people. And again, it's one of those things people don't think about. I think people think if we were to liken this to sales, people are more concerned with landing the sale than keeping the customer. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so then you end up with a high turnover or reten or yeah, a turnover rate or attrition rate. And, you know, then you're one and then. (laughs) <laughs> this is what I hear all the time in old school churches. They'll be like, well, they just don't like the gospel. 
What no, they don't like you. <laughs> there it is. You know, I mean, if you don't retain people and do the work, because again, once you once you have bought a new product, you need instruction on how to use it. And, you know, you need somebody to help you decipher the the instruction manual. And then you need somebody to kind of help walk you through best practices and all those types of things. And I don't think enough of us think about you know, church in that way and people in that way. Um, and then it suddenly becomes a quote unquote mystery to us why half the church is gone. Well, it's not right. really a mystery. What, what did you do to, well, anyway, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoyed today's session. I, I think it was really powerful and I love how things navigate here and, and the road we end up traveling. I hope it was helpful to you guys. We certainly want to hear your thoughts. So via social media, reach out to us. Let us know what you're thinking. Use the hashtag heart to heart. That's H-A-R-T, the number two H-E-A-R-T, or on course. We really do want to hear from you uh, and certainly share with us your thoughts and even topic ideas that you'd like for us to discuss as well. And be sure to share this podcast with your friends and your loved ones. And you guys all subscribe to it on Google Play and iTunes. We'll be sure to connect next time as we get on course with Heart Ramsey.